Welcome to the Holistic Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Blair, wife, mother of three, author of Holistic Wealth, and founder of the Institute on Holistic Wealth. The show will showcase various experts in the key pillars of holistic wealth. Each week, we deliver the best information on how to become holistically wealthy and live your best life. Welcome to the Holistic Wealth Podcast, and I'm your host, Keisha Blair, and today we have a very special guest. With me today, I have Wendy Friesen, and she is a worldwide leader in creating rapid change for life's difficult problems. Wendy is a hypnotherapist, she's an author, and she shares her expertise at wendy.com and has massively influenced the lives of millions of people worldwide. Wendy, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you. I'm really excited. This is just very cool. I love the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. I've been interviewing so many wonderful female entrepreneurs. And so I just want to ask you about your journey because I know that you managed to build a business from the ground up. So basically going from flat broke to a multi-million dollar business. Can you tell us a bit about that journey with your milestones, progress, what those figures were like in terms of that journey from going, from building from ground zero up? Yeah, and you know, it's a really good thing for people to know and understand if they're in a really bad place, maybe they're really depressed or they're really stuck or they've given up and it seems like, well, it's hopeless. How could I ever build a business? There's just a really big lesson in what I experienced and what I created because I had no way to build a business. I was seeing a few clients at a very low rate. I was very frustrated and very poor and I had two little boys as single mom at the time. And I just at one point just broke down because I had told people that I couldn't take another step. I said, I can't put one foot in front of the other. And this was like my mantra So I was in the parking lot at a farmer's market and I was walking to my car and my feet slowed down and I stopped and I was standing there and I just couldn't move. And it was the weirdest thing. And I, all of a sudden it just dawned on me that I can't take another step. So that was pretty frightening. And obviously I did get out of the, um, (laughs) got to my car, (laughs) but what I had learned in the hypnotherapy school and mine was fairly long. It was six months long and four full days a week and um, some weekends and such. So it was a lot of training. One of the things I learned was about creating a future of what you do want, but not just like, not a vision board or a list of what you do want, not just manifesting and saying money comes to me. Instead, it's going into that future and experiencing it as if it's happening right now, that it's the present. Have you ever done something like that? I have. And I mentioned something like that in my book. And it's funny you bring up vision boards because I I was listening to a podcast. She had on a guest and she was talking about vision boarding, the whole idea of putting that picture on the wall and envisioning it. And what you're talking about sounds a little bit different and sounds much more in the space of placing yourself there in the present moment. It's a totally, it's an experience that when you imagine some of these things vividly using hypnosis, it creates a memory in your brain and that memory is believed to be true. Even though consciously I know that didn't happen yet, but I still hold all the beliefs and the identity, the visions and the emotions of what I experienced. So I started on my timeline. I got relaxed, took some deep breaths, got myself into just a light state of trance. And I imagined I was walking on a path through a forest. 
And as I'm walking on that path, I was going to go to one year in the future. Partway along this path, all of a sudden, this big rock wall came up. And I didn't create that or ask for that. It's just this giant stone wall. And I stopped and I said, what do you want? And it said, it wrote on the wall, your father. And I said, why is that an issue? Or why did you stop me? And it says, because if you make more money than your father, he will be devastated, which was true because of his relationship to women creating any kind of wealth or success. You know, that's what, that's men's work. But anyway, I go into this future. I took the wall down and said thank you to it and <laughs> crushed it. And I kept going to one year in the future. So here I was seeing all these happy faces of people, hundreds of people that were grateful for the work I was doing, seeing their smiles and their eyes. I had written a book, which I had never done that before. And people loved my book and I was getting all kinds of like nice media attention for it. And when I asked my higher self, how much money have I made? Because the money isn't the first part of the focus of this. That's part of what you do deserve and you are worthy of in that future moment. But that's not the first focus. It is the gratitude you have for the work that you're doing and who you're helping. Anyway, it said that I had made a million dollars in sales. So that would be selling, at that time, cassette tapes <laughs> of hypnosis program. Yeah. So anyway, I come back. I bring back on that timeline all the things I learned unconsciously um, from my higher self, logistically, and came all the way back to the present moment. And now, Keisha, I was like unstoppable. I had no idea how I was going to do that. But because a part of my brain believed it already had happened, I was really brave and I decided to take some chances that I wouldn't have otherwise. Wow, that's amazing. Can you tell us about those chances, the risks you took? Because in my book, Holistic Wealth, I talk about taking measured risks. And it's within that holistic wealth mindset that I talk about in my book, too. So I'm oh, nice. really interested yeah. in the way you positioned it in terms of yeah. firmly believing yeah. that you could and taking the risk. If you just, like we talked about, you know, vision boards or writing down your manifesting, whatever that is, it's still not going to create that belief in your brain unless you get yourself into that experience, stay in it, immersed in it. And then there's a part of your mind that is driving you forward to take some risks because it feels that it's already happened in a way. And I know it might seem a little confusing to the listeners, but here's what I started doing. I just printed out some letters to physicians and I put little like coupons in them and I would go and drop them off at doctor's offices and say, if you're, if any of your patients need hypnotherapy, here's this. And then I went to a like coffee shops and juice stores. And I made this one page newsletter and it didn't look like promotional material. It just looked like some articles about your brain, your mind, whatever. And every week I dropped those off. I went to an upscale health club, a really big one. They had three different locations. I didn't know that, but I walked in there and I said, hi, can I do some hypnotherapy classes here? <laughs> like that's how it works. Right. Right. And they said, let let me check with a manager and they bring the manager out and they're like, yeah, that sounds really interesting. And it turned out that they let me use the aerobics room for free three days a week to do my classes. No charge. They put up posters all over the health clubs, everywhere to promote me. They sent a newsletter to 25,000 people mm -hmm. and I had all these clients instantly and it just kept going and going. Amazing. And one day, even though I was in that mindset, I was sitting in the office that I shared with Catherine and we were both in the waiting room complaining about how hard it is to get clients sometimes. <laughs> that was more her mindset. <laughs> and I was saying, yeah, it kind of is, but you know, there's things I've been doing that are working. So 
as we're complaining, <laughs> her more than me, I decided to open the phone book. Remember those? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I opened the yellow page into a random page, put my finger on wherever it landed, and I called them up. And it was like a title company. And I said, hi, I'm a hypnotherapist. Do you know how hypnotherapy could help your staff be more creative or motivated or improve their money mindset, that kind of thing. And then I go to the next one. And the third one that I put my finger on was a really big radio station in Sacramento. And I called them up and I said, hi, I'd like to have my own radio show. How do I do that? (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty silly of me. But you know, there was no downside to that. And she says, oh, well, Paul Lyle is standing right next to me. He's the morning show host of the talk radio station, big station. So she hands a phone to him and he says, well, why don't you come in at 6 a.m. on Tuesday and be on the show? And I was like, oh, oh, I was terrified, Keisha. Oh, my God. I was so scared. <laughs> I can't imagine. I, just... <laughs> I had never been on TV or radio at that point. I knew nothing about radio. I was just trying to do something kind of silly and productive. So that was only like three days away. The night before, I was going to cancel because I was so scared. And... I thought, no, you can't do that. Come on, you got the tools. So I remember I was driving my car home that evening and I was stopped at a red light and I just instantly said, nope, you've done this thousands of times. You love being on the radio. In fact, people recognize you all the time now from being on the radio. (laughs) And I looked at the car next to me. We were at the stoplight and the woman looked over and I thought, oh, she recognizes me from all my radio appearances. Anyway, I just played silly games with myself so that I would get up and I was there at six in the morning. And I had told myself beforehand that, you know, in trance with my eyes closed, I said, as soon as I see that microphone, as soon as the first words come out of my mouth, it will be fun and brilliant and natural. And that is what happened. He kept me in there for three hours. That's just amazing. And so can you walk us through at what point you reached that first million, like that big milestone and the important, like big pieces that you think led to that. So whether it was the radio or it was, you know, the doctor's offices, I just wanted to drill down on kind of like the big impacts of the, you know, the various pieces and which ones were more significant in driving forward. Yeah. And you know, there's a part of it that's very mysterious. I held financial abundance classes in my office with people and they would come in every week for six weeks or so. And when we would do First, we get their beliefs in alignment, get their identity structured so it's really strong about being worthy of money, get rid of some of their childhood issues about money and wealth. Once we did that, then we would work on manifesting. Well, I didn't really believe in the manifesting part very much back then, but I just started doing that manifesting. It was November when I had this one group in my office and I said, let's all decide what's going to happen in January. For me, I wrote that I'm going to make 30,000 or more in January, which I still, I wasn't making a lot then. I was only making like three or 4,000 a month, but I said, I'm going to make 30,000 or more, which was a little unrealistic because I was, I still wasn't making it big time or something. In late November, Men's Health Magazine did a 12-page article about my work. I have no idea 
why or where they found me because I wasn't like famous or anything. So did they interview you or no? They just... Yeah, they did. And that book, it wasn't a book instead of the magazine. That book came out in January. I also was flown to New York to be on the Queen Latifah talk show. And it was a studio audience of 400 national talk show. And I had never been on TV. So I was a little scared. <laughs> anyway, that show aired in January. And then there was a third thing that happened. I forgot what the third one was, but it came out in January. And in January, I made like $30,500 on sales. It was just the weirdest thing that it could have lined up like that. Yeah. And this was just something you wrote down somewhere, right? This goal. Yeah, I did about the 30000 Of course, I had my group and myself. We would envision it, go into that month in January and experience it as already having happened, even if we don't know how. But everyone in the group would get these really big bumps in their income or their business, like an insurance salesman. He says, it's the weirdest thing. I have had so many people calling for policies this week. They want double policies. They just really love working with me or they heard about me. It's my business is like tripled in one week. So anyway, the million dollar thing happened because business started growing really fast from some of the little appearances, the national TV thing. And I kept getting more and more media opportunities. I got flown to London to speak at a conference and that one was pretty big. But while I was speaking there, and I don't know why this happened, the Financial Times sent a reporter to come and do a story on what I was speaking about. I was speaking about the financial abundance, the mindset, the unworthiness. And he did a half page article that was in the front of a section in the financial time. Those, all these little things lined up. And at the Mm -hmm. end of a year, I had made a million and $12,000 because I had a little post-it note that I had put up a year earlier on the side of my computer monitor that said by August, 1 million or more. And it was like just a little over a million. And it was August. It was the first week in August. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. And so Wendy, can you walk us through, because you mentioned the financial abundance and getting yourself in that mindset where it's your present. Can you walk us through the methods of doing that and getting the audience kind of some tips on how, you know, release the past in terms of the money blocks and kind of get yourself in that mind frame? Yeah. And, you know, there's a really important piece to this when you said the blocks and the things in the past. So when I was still really poor, I I lived in the country and the heat, this is in Northern California and it got cold in the winter. (laughs) The heat was a giant propane tank outside the house. Since I couldn't pay the bill, they disconnected the gas hose and put a big brass lock on it. So I went out to that tank and I had a hammer and a screwdriver and a rock. (laughs) I somehow broke that giant lock off of that tank because my kids and I needed heat. We didn't have any heat. Oh, that was, oh, it still makes me feel a little bit sad. Anyway, did that, but I was still feeling pretty desperate. Now, people talk a lot about self-sabotage and they say, I feel like I sabotage everything I do. If you have a mindset of being unworthy or undeserving or not good enough, and if it's a big enough issue in your life, the good things you try to do, you'll back out or you'll do something stupid and forget something you need to do for it. Or you'll make a mistake. Like how did I lose that phone number of that reporter? Or why didn't I call that guy back that wanted to put me on the radio? You know? So what I did is I sat down and I knew about parts therapy 
from my training. And I decided there was a part that had a positive intention of keeping me poor. And we all have this. We all have these self-sabotage things. Some of them are very small and they've faded away. Some are still really big, but we don't know about them consciously. So I found that part of me that for a positive reason wanted me to be poor. And I asked that part, what do you want? And the part said, I need you to be pitiful, but pitiful That was not a word in my vocabulary. Oh my gosh, that made me kind of sad. But what you do is you say thank you to that part. And again, anyone can do this. Just remember that you're asking for the part that has a positive intention for the negative behavior. So then I asked that part again, even deeper, what do you need? And the part said, I need you to be more pitiful. And I started crying. I can remember it so well, because that was like, no, why? So then I said, thank you to that part. And I said, why do you need me to be more pitiful? And the part said, because then you'll be rescued. I was crushed. I had no idea that I had an agenda anywhere in my mind or heart or soul to hope someone rescues me from my pitifulness. The point is, though, that it's no longer a hidden agenda. It's no longer a self-sabotage issue because it's known when it had its power was when it was like out of my consciousness and this program was running, but I didn't know it. And once you reveal it, it's no longer an issue because it's not fueling to get its needs met. And then you ask that part also, is there another way you could let me accomplish this without needing to be pitiful? So those those are the steps that people could do to get rid of the sabotage. You find the part that has a positive attention for making you stuck, unmotivated, depressed, whatever it is. You ask it, what do you want? Whatever it answers, you just say thank you and say even deeper, what do you want? Let it answer and say thank you. Cry a few tears <laughs> and then say, why do you want that? And then you're going to get to the core of it. And it's it's so good to get those things uncovered. Yeah, no, for sure. And in terms of like the wealth and that wealth mindset, can you talk to us a bit more about that? Yeah, and that is an interesting one because everybody has a different background with where they got their wealth or lack of wealth mindset. There's a lot of people who feel that if you want to make a lot of money, then you're greedy and greed is bad. There's people who feel that if you're chasing after money and you want to be rich and famous, that you're a bad person who's really shallow and all you care about is money. Mm -hmm. Well, you picked up these beliefs that that's how you feel about people who have money or created success. We have such judgments because of the way that our parents taught us to think about people with money or without it, or if you're supposed to be humble, and if you're not supposed to celebrate your big wins, and you're not supposed to tell people what wonderful things you're doing, because that would be bragging, you have all these issues. So to get out of that mindset, we want to get you to have a different identity behind that. The way that I do this, and again, your listeners can certainly do this on their own, is I want you to meet your future self. And to meet your future self, you're going to, again, relax your body and close your eyes, take some breaths, and you're going to float into a moment in the future, let's say six months from now, where, and my wording, if I was leading you through it, like I do on my recordings, my wording is something like, now as you're getting closer and closer to that moment at six months in the future to meet your future self, you're going to notice that this woman that you're meeting, she is very proud of what she does and she's very good at what she does. She's very comfortable with people paying her very well for the work that she does because it's valuable. 
and because it creates something for them. So when I have you go meet that future self face to face, you're standing there looking right in the eyes of that future self. I'm saying notice that she is so comfortable about creating wealth and things have been coming to her very easily. She's been really creative and brave and she takes some risks, but she has some insight and some deeper wisdom that guide her to know what she should be doing. And she thinks differently now. So we go through that. And then I have you go behind the person that is your future self and just slip into them. And I say, go inside that body and go inside that mind and just feel what she feels. Notice what her belief is about wealth and money. Notice what changed her resistance and the blocks that she used to have. And notice the freedom that you feel inside of this body and mind where you know that, yeah, it's okay to create wealth because you're doing something really fabulous for people all over the world or maybe in your community or whatever it is. And then you're absorbing the identity of the person that's comfortable with it and you're doing it for reasons that help you feel really good about what you're doing and that you will be rewarded because you do deserve to have wealth and to have gratitude and generosity coming back to you. So basically, that's it. Then you go into the future self a year from now, and you go inside of that body and mind and that future self. And that helps reinforce whatever beliefs and identity issues we're working on transforming. And then you come all the way back to the present moment. And there's some things that change in you. There's some things that just are never the same when you do it that way that you can't get on that vision board. (laughs) That's exactly what I was just thinking, because just last week, one of my cousins emailed me. She's like, I have to get this planner because it has a vision board. You know, it has that template anyway, where I can sketch out my vision board. And, you know, when people are doing their New Year's resolutions, especially at the beginning of the year, the vision board thing comes back again, full force. (laughs) So I just wanted to ask you if there's like a scientific Mm -hmm. or a neurological basis. And it's, I mean, it's plainly obvious to me for those out there who've been so hooked on the vision board, is there like a deeper neurological or scientific basis for why this method is is just far more superior? Yeah. So remember what I just said about the self-sabotage thing that I had running that I didn't know about, and then think about were the unworthiness issues that I would have had because nobody's going to rescue me and my identity of being poor all the time and poor single mom, if I had a vision board and I worked on it, every time I looked at it, would it trigger those negative things? Because those are my resistance and my beliefs that I had about myself. And I think that neurologically, your brain is going to find those emotional states that are feeling weak and inferior and unworthy. And it could actually be reinforcing the very thing you don't want. Because, you know, we all kind of have a little resistance over things, you know, like we grew up thinking, oh, God, I'm so stupid. I always make mistakes. I just don't know why I can't, like, get a hold of this. But when you look at those vision board things, maybe you have a big, beautiful house on there and silently in your subconscious it thinks, I'll never have that. (laughs) Or, Or you have a beautiful car on your vision board, but you have resentment for people who drive really beautiful cars, So does that trigger it? So neurologically, if we did the future timeline and meeting your future self and get rid of self-sabotage, when you look at it then, is it in alignment and does it feel good that says, yeah, huh, 
I'm going to go do some really cool things with my life. So that is where the shift is that we just, we can't keep pushing the resistance and strengthening the negative beliefs, the negative identity and the unworthiness when we look at a vision board or write down all our affirmations. That's amazing. And it's so funny as you were speaking, I was thinking about chapter two in my book, Holistic Wealth. That also talks about the naysayers. There were people who had wonderful messages of love and encouragement, but there were other people who had such negative messaging. And of course, we already, some of us already have the self-sabotaging beliefs that you mentioned. And then of course, there's the external negative comments that we have to deal with too, especially when we go through these times of tragedy and crisis and people are projecting their insecurities onto us as well. So I just wanted to, I don't know, you know, in terms of past clients or, or, you know, and I guess we just tell people to block as much as possible to block, but I don't know what you have seen and and kind of what your advice is for people in that situation. Yeah. And we need to look at our beliefs about money for one, and then our personal beliefs about what we grew up with, with money and not from a logical standpoint, you've got to do it in trance because when I've done these groups with people, the things that they discover, like they just say, I would never have known that. I would not even know that was my resistance. And that's what was running the show. So I have an experiment that I do when I'm doing a workshop for the financial abundance. And on the first day, I'll be getting ready to jump on the stage that there's a a chart, like a paper chart thing that's on an easel. And it's sitting right there in front of the stage. And Before I get on stage, I flip over the first piece of paper. And then the second one, on the top in big red letters, it says free money. And taped to that paper is a few hundred dollars of ones and tens and twenties and stuff. And they're all individually taped on there. So I've done this experiment in different countries and at a bunch of different settings. It's fascinating. So I just start talking about my little blah bitty blah and this and that. You know, I I don't even look at the easel. And it takes about five or six minutes before one person will timidly get up, walk to the front, and take one of the bills off of the paper chart. Then he goes back and sits down, and another few minutes passed, another three or four minutes, and one more person comes up, and maybe she comes up and she takes a $1 bill off the chart. Another few minutes elapse, and this, this one's really interesting. As soon as the third person stands up, And like some of the rooms I've done this in, it's like 100, 150 people. As soon as the third person stands up, everybody feels they have permission, that it's okay to participate. And then everybody gets up and they start running up towards the money. And they're all taking a bill off of the chart, which is interesting that we're waiting for permission in life. We've got to see somebody else do it and somebody else has to show us how instead of being the one to go take that chance. So then I asked them, why didn't you all get up and take the money? (laughs) Why did it take so long? And people would say, because I didn't know if I was supposed to take it. And I said, it says free money. And they said, well, I didn't know if it was for some other part of the speech. I said, but you saw someone else take it. And I didn't say a word. And we go through this and then ask, why did you only take one bill off of that paper? And they would say, because it wouldn't be fair if I took more than that which is an interesting belief they have. Then one woman went and put the $10 bill that she had back on the paper. So now that's the only bill up there. And I said, why did you do that? And she says, because I did not earn it. And I can't have that if I didn't earn it. So she couldn't accept that there was anything that would be given to her 
you know, just with gratitude. And then no one else came and took that bill. And I said, why hasn't anyone else taken that bill that she just gave back? So it really shows our issues with how we judge others and circumstances, opportunities. It's a fascinating experiment. Absolutely. And have you worked with any celebrities in your practice so far, Wendy? Yeah. Oh, this is another like take a risk. This is when I was really poor, but it didn't look like I was like desperate or anything. I had a one page web page because that's the most you could do back then in 1994. I got an email. You'll love this. It said, I want to hypnotize women for sex. Money is no object. And I thought, oh, please. <laughs> so I was going to delete it. And then I thought, yeah, he probably sent this email to like every hypnotist he could find, except that I was the only female hypnotist on the internet at that time that had a web page. So I replied and we started talking back and forth. His email did not have any way of me finding out who he was, which was kind of cool. And we talked about love and sex and what it, you know, what he really wanted and things like that. And then he decided this was after many exchanges. He decided he wanted me to meet him in Europe to do therapy with him for five days. So he flew me there. I my first class in a beautiful hotel and paid for all my meals. And every day in the penthouse, we worked together every day doing therapy. Now I'm dying to know who this is. <laughs> I can't tell you. Uh, it's not anyone you would know. It's just, it's a member of the ruling family of Qatar. When he said money is no object, he was not kidding. He was not kidding. But it wasn't that he wanted to hypnotize women for sex. What we learned was that he really wanted to have better relationships that were more satisfying and that really had a connection because he had trouble connecting with women in that way. And his childhood, we went through some inner child stuff that made it really difficult for him as an adult. And it was just, it was fascinating. And it was a beautiful experience to help him have a more powerful, true and intimate connection with the women. Because he says, I, I have sex with lots of women, you know, supermodels, what do you want? I have sex with plenty of women. That's not the problem. So yeah, so we did some work on that. And it was really beautiful. And so we hadn't touched on the relationships part, you know, in terms of the past and what some of us have been through in our childhood. Definitely some blocks there. <laughs> that, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, childhood abuse and all these different issues that can come up in domestically at home. And not to say that, you know, that was his thing, but wanted to get what you see in, in terms of clients you've had in terms of relationships. Yeah, it's, there's such a variety of issues people have about relationships. And again, it goes to being worthy of being loved and what you're brought up to believe about relationships. And did you see your mother and father having troubles and fighting and always having, you know, issues? Did you not get any unconditional love? Were you judged? And so you have a hard time feeling worthy of the love in a relationship. I have a program that is um, called Love of Your Life, and it takes you through many different processes that are to find and release and forgive some of the things that you thought were true about yourself in relationships or that you were taught in your childhood. And it takes you into the future to meet your um, loved one, the person that you're going to be bringing into your life. And I have you feel what that person feels like, the sound of their voice, what are they wearing, all this stuff. And we get you not just to do that, but we get you to be worthy of that love and that relationship you're going to have. And, um, you know, the, the program works on the issues first. 
But one woman that I did this with her in my office, and she did several sessions. And I said, how far in the future is it that you're meeting this man? And she said, it's three months. I said, oh, okay, what's his name? And she said, I don't know. And I said, well, ask him his name. This is while she's in trance, right? She said, his name is Dave. What's he wearing? And she says, he has a white shirt and it has this kind of red logo thing on it. And the way his hands felt. So anyway, guess what happened to her three months later? Oh my gosh. (laughs) She met a man. She knew it was him. She says, when I touched his hands, I knew it was him. His name is Dave. He had a white shirt on with this red logo on it. And he looked exactly like the guy that was in my vision. Isn't that crazy? Oh my gosh. That is. Oh, and she's still with him. This has been 25 years ago. Wow. That's unbelievable. And just to go back to the the money aspect and the financial abundance, I had written in my book about everyone having their own personal financial identity. And it really dawned on me after my husband died that I'm a trained economist and well-versed in financial planning, but it dawned on me that many women, you know, we transition into adulthood not having gained a sense of our own financial identity. And so I feel like for many of us, we kind of follow a significant other or repeat actions that our parents did or our friends, the people most significant in our lives. And so I came up with this quiz because people started emailing me when they read the book and they're like, well, I want to know what my financial identity is. And I hadn't come up with kind of a framework. So anyway, I did a lot of thinking and I came up with this quiz that I asked you to take. And I've been asking many of my guests to do the same just so that we can get the conversation started so people can start to think about these things, mm-hmm. you know, as they go through. And so many people are making money New Year's resolutions or financial yeah. New Year's resolutions now. And a lot of that goes by the wayside by February, March, because we just end up following the crowd. And so I just wanted to hear about your results and see what you thought, just to share that with the audience. Yes, I really liked the quiz. And taking that quiz was still looking at some issues that I have. None of us are ever going to be perfect about this. And none of us are going to be over all the things that we learned about ourselves growing up. Because, you know, there's still issues about my dad's stuff. And it's it kind of lingers here and there. But taking that quiz made me think about that and think about what I learned from him negatively and positively mm-hmm. and the relationship in the family of where I was. My last newsletter I just wrote was about feeling invisible and not having any value and not having any worth growing up. And your questions hit the nail on the head for me, many of them. Everybody should take that quiz so that you can really honestly look at the issues that you have And then Keisha raises questions that you might not have ever asked yourself. Absolutely. I know we're ending the interview, although I'm having so much fun with this conversation. To be honest with you, you're the first person who's looked so deeply and inwardly in terms of the questions. And so just to give the audience an idea of how this can help them uncover, for instance, things in the past, which is it's so meant to do. But like I... I love your insights and I, I just, even if it's just two examples or just two ways that when, when they're doing the quiz that they can lead them to delve deeper into thinking about some issues that may have popped up in the past. One thing that we do as hypnotherapists is we ask a client to go back to the cause of the problem. So wherever it is, however long ago it was to go back to the first time you felt that feeling. So when they're taking your quiz, if there's a question that gets some emotion going, 
like, don't just click on the answers, but take some time to really feel each question. When you feel some emotion coming up, even if it's just a little funny feeling in your belly or something in your chest, you could close your eyes and relax and take a few breaths and say, I want to go back to the first time I learned to believe that. Like if it's a question about unworthiness or something like that, I want to go back to where I learned to believe that or to believe that that's true. And if you let yourself just float back in time, maybe you go back to your 12 years old or something and you happen to be in a situation where there's something about money or failure or you're being put down or you're being told something that maybe it didn't feel that terrible then, but it left a mark. (laughs) You get to find out what your personal thing is. So use the questions to let them kind of poke at you a little bit and then let yourself relax, close your eyes and ask your inner mind to go back to the first time you felt that or the thing that happened that caused that. And then you can take a look at it. Absolutely. And can I ask you to tell us what your result was? Yeah. So a lot of mine was that my father was an incredibly creative entrepreneur and he was just amazing, but he was brought up in a time where women had no value. And in his family, the women really didn't have any value either. Two girls and three boys. The boys got all the opportunity And he had a family business that he grew into kind of an empire, but the boys would do the really productive work that was important. And the girls were there. We were just there to man the cash register or do the menial work. And it was such a contrast when I became an adult. And I went back to seeing that from that viewpoint that, huh. So remember my wall when I was going on that timeline of the future and the wall said, my father, And he didn't have any upbringing that told him that women had value and that they could succeed or should be encouraged. So that's what I was able to resolve. And that doesn't go away. It's just that I know about it now. And I say, oh, well, that was something my dad believed because he wasn't shown any other way. Just an amazing story. And I feel like we've come full circle with a wall at the beginning and now the conversation at the end. So this was beautiful, Wendy. Thank you so much for being on the show. Can you tell listeners where they can find you like on social media and your website if you go to my website it's wendy.com but you have to spell wendy with an i so w-e-n-d-i.com and there you'll find all the information if you want to contact me or need more information i am on facebook it's under wendy friesen and you can find other social media links on my website so yeah go there there's a bunch of free stuff on there there's how to get yourself into trance and how to make changes, how to do self-hypnosis. And there's tons of free programs there for anybody that wants them. Okay, perfect. And once again, Wendy, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and insights on the show. It It was amazing having you here. Thank you. Thank you. And I love the work that you're doing just from the questions that you, you know, prodded me with. And I really respect what you're doing. So yeah, anytime you want to get together and chit chat, I am all yours. Good time. Okay, perfect. And once again, thank you so much. It's been a labor of love, of course, you know, coming out of tragedy. I think so many insights, wisdom to share with others, but I'm thankful for that. So thank you again. (laughs) Thank you for joining us this week on Holistic Wealth with Keisha Blair. Make sure to visit our website, KeishaBlair.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or via RSS, so you will never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Are you a member of the Institute on Holistic Wealth? If not, what are you waiting for? 
Go to Institute on Holistic Wealth slash memberships to choose your membership plan and join. As a member, you get so many perks. Free worksheets, advice, coaching, and a member's workshop to design an intentionally designed life. You need to figure out your life purpose? Take the Build Your Life Purpose Portfolio Online Self-Paced Course. You're struggling with all your money decisions? Take the free financial identities quiz and then take the course. You recently had a breakup, job loss, or experienced the death of a loved one? Take the holistic healing course. You need an overall plan to achieve holistic wealth? We will help you figure out your holistic wealth blueprint. And of course, if you want to start making money by helping others achieve holistic wealth, become a certified holistic wealth consultant. Regardless of what career you've got, the Institute will show you how to increase your income and walk in your purpose. The sooner you join, the sooner you start to achieve a more holistically wealthy lifestyle. And you're going to want to stay for a very long time. So go to Institute on Holistic Wealth slash memberships to join. If you haven't read the book yet, pick up a copy of the award-winning, best-selling Holistic Wealth 32 Life Lessons to Help You Find Purpose, Prosperity, and Happiness.